there. I'm Emily Quant, queen of the five-year-olds. I've always been one at heart, and now I'm using that passion to change the world for them. Play, emotions, education, community, structure, and sustainability. Cradle to college and beyond, we'll dive into it all here. Join me on my journey to play the world back into freedom. Hi friends! In this episode, I want to share what has become our framework for educating in freedom. When you join the system I've created, you're joining a community for building community. Our members are joining together for regular meetings where they learn things like how to create their own local communities, how to support educating in freedom, how to form the day-to-day operations of self-directed education, all the practices needed for sustainability, and they receive teachings on how to hold space, the three R's, what to do about media, how to get through high school and college, how to build an intentional culture, what to do about boundaries and risk, and even how to support diversity and inclusivity. What amazing, amazing things there are to explore. We are gonna talk about the daily creation of success through cycles of intention, creation, reflecting, and sharing. We're gonna gather weekly for teachings. We're gonna meet several days a week to implement the sustainability practices. There's gonna be accountability and all the fun of creating something alongside like-minded guides. We are gonna begin doing the work together. And through this, our members' own local communities will begin to take shape and develop. As part of the system, you will be held, your community will be held, and you will be guided every step of the way to build your child's customized education and the community they need to enrich that. So episode one talks about the three keys to unlock the solution. Solution to what? Well, episode two, Two details the problem. This is the problem that we've had for over a century. We've been jammed in as an unseen cog into this wheel of the deafening education system. But today, as what we're talking about, what we'll do as a part of a new paradigm for educating, educating in freedom, everything we learn and implement in the system is simply to facilitate educating in freedom. Now to educate in freedom, there are some frameworks we can create. These are not rules, they simply hold the space. They are more like containers for the energy of educating in freedom to flow in and out of. So if you think of educating in freedom as a river, the power of the river is best harnessed when it flows through clear channels. It may shift, it may change, it can move its path from one valley to another, but it's gathered together by its borders. It's empowered by its container. So in this container, this is what the system will be creating. This container can be built by anyone. It could be held by a single soul. And as that soul joins with our team, we create the boundaries for energy to flow through. It's natural when you have those boundaries for more energy to be called unto itself. Educating in freedom like a riverbed naturally creates a space in which similar rivulets of flow are gonna gather. This is why we need clear structures borders, and containers. As you allow children to self-direct their educations, others will be drawn to you. And if you have a clear container, they will easily fit into it. Not so that they can be suppressed and yield, but rather so they can unleash their own magic to be magnified as part of the alchemy that's designed to enhance and loose their own power. 
So this structure is what the financial piece of building our own brand, leveraging automations, and partnering with high-profit, high-impact offers supports. And this structure is what we will be learning to create together when you join the system community. We're going to learn the skills needed to operate the tools that build those borders up, the containers in which self-directed education thrives. And as the holding souls, we're all going to learn this together. You're going to receive the tools, the lessons to master those tools, and you'll be able to practice their use in the same way we want for our kids with the support and guidance along the way. This isn't just a vision. This is the opportunity to be supported in the life of your dreams and to be given the tools and support to actually bring it into reality. So as many of you know, in 2016, I co-founded Free to Learn, an agile learning community in Northern California. Agile Learning Centers is a global network of communities who are applying the agile method of project management to our favorite topic, educating in freedom. Just over a decade ago, the founders of the ALC network envisioned the education process in an entirely new way. They believed that education, just as any other project, could follow the exact same principles that are popularly used in software development. You can find the agile values and principles in any Google search. They are everywhere. But for today's discussion, let's take a look at those values and principles as they relate to our favorite subject, education. For simplification, we'll liken them to the parts of a tree. To begin with, we imagine what we need for a tree to grow. And that first thing is soil. The soil from which we grow in the agile learning model is trust. Trust in students, trust in each other, trust in ourselves. In this soil of trust are nestled four roots. These are actually assumptions which have to be made in order for the tree to thrive. Our four assumptions are, one, learning is natural. It is happening all the time. And two, self-direction. People learn best by making their own decisions. And children are people too. Three, experience. People learn more from their culture and the environment than from the actual content that they are taught. The medium is actually the message. And four, success. Accomplishment is achieved through regular cycles of intention, creation, reflection, and sharing. And cycling back around, intention, creation, reflection, sharing. It continues and cycles and cycles and cycles. From these four roots, grow the trunk. And that trunk is the community. That is what is going to hold us all together. Then we have 12 guiding principles. We can think of these as branches. The tools and practices that we use in Agile Learning Centers emerge as leaves on one or more of the branches. These branches depict the guiding principles we use to translate theory into practice and ideals into action. The first one of these is agility. Agility makes tools and practices flexible, adaptable, easy to change, or change back again. Too much change all at once can be very disoriented. So what we are trying to do is gently change over multiple iterations to see what's working. Another one of these branches is infinite play. Play infinitely, grow infinitely. Play is one of the most powerful paths to growth. 
the concept of infinite play reminds us that games aren't about winning. Changing rules and boundaries is part of playing, letting players constantly expand the game of outrageous personal growth to incorporate new players and new frontiers. Another branch is amplifying agency. Ensure tools support personal choice and freedom, as well as responsibility for those choices. Everyone should have the opportunity to participate in designing and upgrading the structures which are guiding them. Branch number four, culture creation. Acknowledging the use of the water that we are swimming in. We shape culture and culture shapes us. A powerful, positive culture is the strongest, most pervasive support structure a learning community can have. Developing collective mastery rather than restrictive rulemaking. Intentional culture builds and supports intentionality in other domains as well. Then we have facilitation. In facilitation, we are looking to clarify, simplify, and connect. Don't introduce unnecessary complexity. We want to connect kids to the larger social capital of their community. We want to collaborate with them in problem solving and accompanying them in their learning as they grow. And in that learning, we have visible feedback. We want to make choices, patterns, and outcomes visible to all the participants so they can fine tune their future behavior accordingly. We want to make implicit, explicit, and expand transparency. These practices empower and build trust among all of our community members. Another one of those is relationship. So we want to be real. We want to be accepting. We want to respect our differences. We need authentic relationship as the basis of partnership and communication, collaboration, and trust between students and the staff. We want to support self-expression. We want to support self-knowledge and self-acceptance. We want to let the experience of nurturing relationship teach the power of interrelatedness and the community. And in that support, we need to provide maximum support with minimal interference. We wanna create helpful structures, practices, and environments without making all their decisions for them or managing their processes. Remember, that support takes up too much space and it becomes counterproductive. What we wanna do is unleash their own methods. Then inside of that, if you're going to be doing your own thing, you are going to have to make sure you have respect for each other's time and space. This is a place where in our communities, we hold no unnecessary meetings. We keep all meetings tight, productive, and participatory. We honor commitments as well as scheduled start and ending times for the happenings. We're going to check in before creating work for someone else, and we're going to be thoughtful about taking up shared space. Another branch is full spectrum fluency. We want to embrace multiple intelligences. We want to embrace modes of expression and different learning styles. We're going to nurture multiple literacies. A functional education for today's world needs to focus on more than just book learning. Social, relational, digital, and a variety of other skill sets are now completely essential. And in those skill sets, when we have them, what we are looking for is this next branch, which is shareable value. We want to make value received from learning visible and shareable. 
We're going to use tracking systems, record measurable progress, generate documentation in the form of blogs, portfolios, images, and we're going to use all of that to teach others. This creates a safer space. So a huge branch in the tree of our learning is safe space making. We want to provide an environment of physical, social, and emotional safety. We want to set and keep critical boundaries. We have to foster great freedom within an appropriate frame of safety and legality so that kids' energy can be freed up to focus on learning instead of protecting themselves. In case it isn't already clear, I believe that all people, and children are people too, have a right to self-determination and freedom from oppression. Part of the work of the facilitator and the holder of this vision is constantly seeking to remove obstacles that are keeping learners from realizing their full potential. So to realize that full potential, there's tools and practices that are the leaves of the agile tree. As a group, they help the tree nourish and feed itself. However, there's no individual leaf that's essential to the health of the tree. Some may be useful on a daily basis, others get pulled out only a couple times a year, and they change. Like leaves, tools and practices have seasons of relevance. They're used whenever they're useful. Changed when what's needed of them changes and set aside when they're no longer of service. We have a sizable inventory of tools and practices and we're always adding to it. So here are some of the tools that you could be using in your community. The first one of these is Set the Week. It's a meeting for introducing and scheduling a new week's opportunities, trips, projects, classes, games, film screenings, etc. These we refer to as offerings. These are often very exciting meetings. Resource people make special offerings and get commitments from those who are interested. There are progress checks on regular offerings to decide whether they should continue. Groups working on long-term projects increase their workdays or rehearsals as benchmarks and showcases approach. Possibilities become plans and they get posted on a weekly schedule board where they're easily referenced through the week. Then we have the daily schedule board. This outlines the scheduled offerings for the day. New offerings can be added as they come up, and it's useful in so many communities to post the location of each offering along with its time and title. Passersby can easily gather information from this tool, what's going on and whether they're interested. Then you have an offerings board. It lists the possible offerings and opportunities. There's so many things that these kids want to explore. And the facilitators, parents, resource people, families, and students can all contribute to this potential. Everything that they want to make available of their time, skills, or even offsite adventures, they can make available to others. So in agile software companies, stand-up meetings typically happen in the morning and are conducted, not surprisingly, while participants stand. Standing keeps the energy up and gets everyone ready to jump into the day. Communities often have similar morning meetings or morning spawn point meetings where the practice is very similar. In this meeting, every person states their intention for the day and makes any requests for support they may need. 
This simple process takes only 10 to 15 minutes, but it starts each day with intention. There's accountability and a chance for cross-pollination and relationship. The learning cycle that begins in morning's meeting, intentions sharing, comes full circle in the afternoon meeting, also known as afternoon spawn point. And this is also the closing meeting where it's the last meeting of the day. This meeting focuses on personal and group reflection. We take time in this period to ask ourselves, did we accomplish what we intended to? And if so, how? If not, why not? These meetings create a feedback cycle through which the learners grow in self-awareness. Documentation tools are regularly used during these meetings, so they get used to things like that. To further support students in self-assessing their progress toward their goals, they recognize patterns in their time management and decision-making, and deciding what, if anything, they want to change when they approach their intentions the next day. And as they set those intentions and come up with projects, they can use different tools like Kanban's, digital counterparts like Trello. They can do blogs, YouTube channels, Facebook groups, Instagram feeds. There's a diverse range of documentation generating tools that are, can be used across the community. Some reflect to the individual what's happening or not with their intentions. Some support deeper personal reflection and sharing experiences. Some face outwards and share glimpses of what we're up to with the parents and community members. All are excellent resources for students building their descriptive methods and they're practicing the things that they need to do to interface with people throughout their whole lives. This can help with their entire learning journey. And then we have change-up meetings. All the staff and students gather together for a check-in. They can be daily, weekly, monthly. The goal is to discuss possible change-up of the school culture. How do we want our time together to be? Participants bring awarenesses to the meeting. Maybe they're aware that there isn't a norm established regarding the use of a specific room. And they bring it up in the group's awareness because they want clarity. More often, the awareness is an issue that the participant would like the group to address. The group brainstorms solutions and then picks one to try for a short period of time. We refer to these trial solutions as being in implementation. The group revisits the solution in implementation at their next change-up meeting. The, those that are working move from implementation to practicing, where they stay until they become an established community norm part of the culture and the issue vanishes. If a solution is in implementation and turns out to be not much of a solution, which happens frequently, it gets thrown out and the group implements a different solution. This is a very useful tool for tracking and visualizing the process while also documenting the norms that the community has established together is the change-up process called Community Mastery Board, or for short, CMB. Some awarenesses require deeper discussion than is productive to really attempt in a large group meeting like change-up where everyone's present. Someone may want to brainstorm a fundraiser idea so the school can afford more laptops or canvases. Someone else notices that meeting flow management needs upgrading. Someone has a conflict and needs support in it. These are the kind of topics that are brought to the attention at a culture committee. This is a group of staff and students who've committed themselves to proactively shaping the school culture. This is a smaller, more focused group. Meetings can be used to create specific proposals for upgrading tools and practices and discuss possible underlying causes of cultural disruptions. 
which happen in any culture. They spend time exploring ways to nurture the upward spiral growth of their community. The culture community can also be convened as the last step in the conflict resolution process. This is a crazy important process for all community. It consists of four simple steps for a person who winds up in a conflict. And we all wind up in conflicts periodically. First, they are asked to stop, breathe, and decide how to communicate to the other person. Next, they try talking to the other person. If that doesn't work, they ask a third party to come in and help them talk to that person. If the problem persists, they request the support of the culture committee. They explain their experience of the situation and the committee discusses the nature of the problem and how to respond to it. The solution may be to facilitate a discussion between those involved in the conflict, or it may be to address each individual separately and clarify community boundaries, maybe offer personalized support. In this process, relationships are deepened and conflicts are resolved. And I can tell you, it works every single time. There are also many other tools. There's game shifting boards. There's the talking stick. There's gratitudes. There's on and off site Velcro steps. There's Kanbans. Everybody has projects going on all the time. And there are so many tools, amazing tools and amazing practices. They're always being adapted and improved. And we constantly create new ones as our needs change. So with all these incredible tools and practices, possibilities that you could be thinking of incorporating in a lively community of support for your children and yourself, I really wanna ask you this question. Is school really working for your child? If your child is losing their love of learning or their spirits being crushed by the meaningless tests, the drudgery of homework or the abusive authority, how long can you pretend that all is well? Schools are broken and falling further behind as the world changes more quickly than they can adapt. Most of the heavy label kids carry today, like below average or bad at math. These are direct product of school system treating children like they're machines to passively absorb programming in a standard manner instead of the active, living, creative beings with their own paths to tread. A broken system saddles children with labels to mask its own failure and ineffectiveness. They're miseducating kids' relationships to their abilities and the potential in ways that can influence them for the rest of their lives. The problems even spill over from the classroom into home life. Parents are supposed to be the enforcers on their behalf, frowning on poor grades or bribing them for good performance. Why should you spend your precious time nagging them about homework or doing it for them? School shouldn't be a punishment. Childhood is not a crime. A school's job should be to adapt to your child's learning needs, not bend your child into the mold of an obedient, unthinking drone. It's time to try a place which nourishes children's hungry minds and heals their energetic spirits. If you share this vision with me to educate your children in freedom, then I invite you to join our community. It's so easy. You just fill out the form below, complete your financial discovery call and your community creation call. In these, we're going to talk about the specific tools that you and your family are going to start with. Every family is different. And while we'll all be flowing down the same structure, your path is going to be a co-creation with you. So we'll be designing it together in your calls. We need to connect and make sure we know your needs, 
your resources, and how we can partner with you to build your structure for educating and freedom to flow most effectively and quickly where your river of power is flowing. We have the tools, we have the resources, we have the support that you need to practice your creation. All you have to do is fill out that form and complete your calls. That will move you forward in creating this powerful container for not only yourself, but also your children, your entire community, and they can all be educated in freedom. Make sure that education becomes a legacy. Let's alchemize our power together. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to support and join this project, you can get bonuses, coaching, and all the fun stuff over at patreon.com slash emilyquant. And you can follow my journey anytime at emilyquant.com. See you next time.